electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. The United States economy is the strongest economy in the world today. So we should celebrate that a little bit. And that's why capital is coming here, business is coming here, it's still growing. J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon is bullish on the United States. But look out, he says we could be on our way to a rough patch. Rates are now, you know, 4% on their way to 5 Inflation is eroding everything I just said. So when you're looking out forward, those things may very well derail the economy and cause this mild or hard recession that people are worried about. Jamie Dimon bracing for the Fed's next move, painting a bigger picture for investors, and bringing a lot of us back down to earth. Crypto is a complete sideshow, okay? And you guys spend too much time on it. Crypto tokens are like pet rocks. America's top CEOs meet in Washington, D.C., reviewing their outlook for the U.S. economy. And we're there, too, with a peek into the business roundtable's biggest concerns. The other risk we have is quantitative tightening. We've never had it before, ever in the lifetime of mankind. So I look at that as something we should be quite concerned about. Warnings, but also wisdom from Jamie Dimon, a former BRT chair and the head of the nation's largest bank. We have this unbelievable, most prosperous nation the world's ever seen. We shouldn't cry in our soup. We're okay. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Squawk Pod reports J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon begins right now. American business. Our corporate leaders are critical to policy, culture, even the future of our environment. But corporations are people too, as they say, aren't they? Well, yes and no, a company is only as influential as its CEO, its public face and voice. And the C-suite is most influential when they band together, in this case, at the Business Roundtable. The Business Roundtable, or BRT, is marking 50 years in 2022. It's an association of CEOs from America's biggest corporations and biggest employers. The group functions as corporate America's representative in Washington, weighing in on policy, competitiveness, and job creation. The BRT is best known in recent years for revamping the purpose of a corporation in a written statement during the summer of 2019. The writing's on the wall. Barbarians are at the gate. Business roundtable no longer. It's a base decision solely on whether it would yield a higher profit for shareholders. Rather, corporate leaders should take into account all stakeholders, uh, that is, employees, customers, and society. If you think about it, the two go hand in hand. Until then, this group of nearly 200 CEOs had defined a corporation as an entity with a primary duty to its shareholders. The roundtable's old statement of purpose espoused Milton Friedman. He's so yesterday. But as the head of the Business Roundtable CEO, Josh Bolton, said, it was time to consider a corporation's responsibility to everyone else. Here he is on CBS Face the Nation back in August 2019. The purpose of a corporation is to serve all of its stakeholders, its customers, mm -hmm. its employees, its communities, and its shareholders. 
This week from CNBC's Squawk Pod, we're bringing you conversations with some of the most vocal leaders at the Business Roundtable. And who better to start with than the CEO of the nation's largest bank, J.P. Morgan Chase, Jamie Dimon. He's a past chair of the Business Roundtable and was an author on that pivotal redefinition of capitalism. Dimon's J.P. Morgan has about $2.6 trillion in assets under management and well over 250,000 employees. <laughs> Jamie. We recorded this interview on location at the Business Roundtable annual meeting in Washington, D.C. Jamie Dimon sat down with CNBC Squawk Box anchors Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. I'm thrilled to be here. So thrilled to be back. You. Nice to see you, I sir. I miss all you guys, but I really miss Becky. So it's <laughs> you nice say that to be last here. Night. You keep saying that. You know yeah. you're going to press buttons with yeah, that. Exactly. Um, of course, yeah. That's right. why he does That's it. That's fine. Yeah. Jamie, we've missed you, too. It's great to be back in person. Between me and Andrew. It's or a, Andrew and I, who do you it, miss more? It's but a tie. It, who's second? A tie. We're tied for second. <laughs> the chop liver, I get it. I'll take it. Jamie, let's talk about what's happening. It, it, it is great to see him be back in person. And I, I think there's so much happening right now around the globe. Um, we've been waiting for this conversation. You, you know what's happening in markets. You know what's happening in the economy. You know what's happening with consumers. What do you see right now? I think everybody was concerned, what was it, six months ago when you said a hurricane is coming, you better prepare? Yeah, so uh, I didn't really say that. But... But let's just start by saying the United States economy is the strongest economy in the world today. So we should celebrate that a little bit. And that's why capital is coming here, business is coming here, it's still growing. If you look in the short run, the consumer is spending 10% more than last year and 40% more than pre-COVID. They're spending it in different things, so all you speak is up here. They're, some are doing better, some are doing worse. That's a tremendous sum of money, and they have a trillion and a half dollars still in their checking accounts more than pre-COVID. So the spending is down. That's the good news. And the companies are in good shape, too, by the way. And their balance sheet, consumer balance sheet is in great shape. The other news, which is not good, is that rates are now, you know, 4% on their way to 5 uh, Inflation is eroding everything I just said. And that a trillion and a half dollars will run out sometime mid-year next year. And so when you're looking out forward, those things may very well derail the economy and cause this mild or hard recession that people are worried about. And, and, but far more important than that, by the way, is all the geopolitical stuff. It's a big decision, wait, mild you and hard. You said 5%. You really think that's where rates are going to stop, the terminal rate? I, I think the Fed has made it clear they're going to get to 5 and stop for a while. I read a while as three to six months. That may not be sufficient. You'd, you'd, you know, go to, you'd still go to five if, if the 10-year stays anchored at three and a half, or you don't think it will? You think the 10-year's headed back up? I think that you have to look at the, ten, you know, the, the other risk we have is quantitative tightening. We've never had it before, ever in the lifetime of mankind. So I look at that as something we should be quite concerned about. And, you know, this, so the suppression of the 10-year bond rate has been going on for 20 years, and it can't really be suppressed anymore. And, you know, QT has just started, so it's very possible. And if you have, like, 2% inflation, you should have a 4% bond today. So I don't look at this like it's got to go get better than here. Obviously, it's a, it's a risk on trade. But that, that mindset may change if inflation sticks around a little bit longer. You said geopolitics is really the issue that we need to watch. Yeah. So you have this economy, but then you have uh, uh, oil, food, fertilizer, war, humanitarian crisis. We've not, we've not had a war in Europe like this since 1945. Right. And back then we said never again. And, and it's again. And then, of course, it's causing all this people rethinking secure lines and uh, China and trade. And this is a lot of geopolitical people. And add to that, by the way, there are a lot of emerging market countries that you know, a lot of people don't focus on are going to pay a heavy price to the strong dollar, higher rates, and higher oil prices. 
And so that stuff is really significant. I don't think we've seen that kind of turmoil in the global world for a long time. And what I said about a hurricane, I said that could mit- that storm clouds that could mitigate. It could be a hurricane. We simply don't know. And I think you know, as a risk manager, I prepare for both. But I'm not guessing which one's going to happen. I simply but don't know. As a, as a risk manager, which one looks like the more likely scenario? I don't know. I, I, put, I put that whole mix of stuff in terms to be worried about. And, and, and we need great American leadership right. to resolve those issues. And uh, so that's the most important part. Can I throw into the mix, which I think is a small piece, but maybe you think it's a bigger piece? Janet Yellen called the, the failure of FTX last week a, a Lehman moment in crypto. I don't know if you think that's contained and doesn't matter. Yeah. Do you think it's a symbol of something larger that's happening in the economy? I, I, crypto is a complete sideshow, okay? And right. you guys spend too much time on it. And I've made my views perfectly clear about crypto right. tokens are like pet rocks. And, there's, right. and, and, and pu- people hyping this stuff up. That doesn't mean blockchain is not real. Right. That doesn't mean smart contracts won't be real or Web 3.0. But cryptocurrencies that don't do anything, I don't understand why people are spending time. But I don't think she meant it's a Lehman moment. I think she meant it's a Lehman moment 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 for for crypto. crypto. But crypto is worth a trillion dollars. The other thing the American public should look at when you look at crypto, if you look at all the buying and selling, so Bitcoin's worth like under a trillion dollars today, and we're not even sure that's a real market, by the way. There's 20 to 30 billion of ransomware a year that we know about. 20 to 30 billion of exchange costs that we know about, lots of AML, anti-terrorism financing, tax avoidance, right. uh, sex trafficking. And what's, what, why we allow this stuff to take place? And I think you know, the regulars that have beaten up on banks should maybe focus a little bit more on things like well. crypto. All those things were doing pretty well before crypto. But, no. uh, it, so, it mitigated to the easiest place yeah, to Yeah, right, but it was all, what, crypto's about 2% of the... I know. Uh, it's, it's, uh, let me ask you this, and this is what might keep me up at night. So wage price spirals. The labor market's different and there's one-offs and there's pandemic and there's participation rate and their skill sets aren't matched with what's going on. But is a wage price spiral possible? Is that possibly in the cards? What happened in it back in the, we talked about it in the Volpe year. What, what was the real underlying cause that got us to a 13.5% mortgage rate. What, is that ever going to happen well, again? That, okay, that, that, before you got to 13%, you had year after year after year of late inflation got out of control. This is, I think the Fed has moved, we can all say a day late and a dollar show up, they moved pretty quickly. But, you know, we had $6 trillion of fiscal stimulus over a two-year period. You're not going to have $6 trillion of spending of money, which is very different than quantitative easing, which is the Fed buying bonds, and not have some kind of inflation. But what else happened but I, but I don't think it has besides to... the energy crisis? What, did we print a lot of money? Well, the, in the, I was alive, but I, don't, I wasn't the, following... The, the Vietnam doesn't... War, lots right. of printing, didn't pay attention to you know, prices going up over an extended period of time. So inflation started like in 1972, and then, and That's you're not, talking about, and it's it didn't not hit the, similar. It didn't it's, hit the peak it, until 1982. And we, we're not in a, on the cusp of some similar so. I, I think we're coming out of COVID. I think that the Fed, the central banks have been you know, quite okay, aggressive recently. So it's transitory. In the U.S., the dollar is super strong. Yeah. There is some concern that that becomes sort of a doom loop, meaning great for the U.S. in certain ways, but you think about all the multinational uh, clients of yours and what that means but in all these other markets. It's strong because they're raising rates. I think, I think. Right, but the, not, but it. But the balance is out of whack with all the other central banks. That's sort of the issue. Yeah, but that, that's, that, that's just interest rates and currencies adjusting. So if you have the strongest economy, you're probably going to have the strongest currency. And, and that is a given. And I'm not worried about what it does to multinationals. I would be much more worried about what it does to 
developing countries. No, no okay. question. But then it has that it has that impact. That's the, what they call it. Yes, no, I, I ended that as one right. of the risks is the higher dollar rates and higher dollar on effect on you know the emerging markets around the world. And we should be very careful about that. And I would add to that, by the way, I think America needs to do a better job on development finance, diplomacy, you know, helping some of these countries. I just took a trip around Latin America, and when we talk about China and trade, you know, they basically say to you things like, well, what's the alternative? You guys aren't down here. You know, you're, you're not doing some of the stuff for us. Your countries aren't investing in foreign direct investment. So we, we need to do a lot to get our hands around that. And as Bob, I think the United States military is the most amazing institution ever. Uh, but they, you know, Bob Gates often talks about it needs, you know, the, the orchestra of power is not just the military. It's also development finance, diplomacy, communication, telling the story about, about the extraordinary capabilities of America. I mean, we should be doing a little bit more of that, too. How does that message sell in, in Washington, though, when you go to Congress, when you try to talk to them about foreign aid? I, you know, foreign aid doesn't sound great, but if you're talking about competing with China, it kind of resonates a little bit better. And if you go to Africa today or Europe today or, or Latin America, you know, China's everywhere. And we, we simply don't do a particularly good job at development finance, and it can be done by corporations, too. I'm not talking about just foreign aid. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about helping, like, American businesses invest in places around the world uh, intelligently. Do we, should we still strive to be a frenemy of, of China? Do we need to do that? We, I think we do, don't we? But yeah, it's, we, it gets we, harder and harder, doesn't they, it? They, look, again, we talk about China all the time. America has all the food, water, and energy it needs. Okay? We, they import 11 million barrels of oil a day. They don't have enough food or water. You know, we have this unbelievable, most prosperous nation the world's ever seen. You know, and I, we shouldn't cry in our soup. We're okay. I think right. we should have been but, focusing. I mean, is globalization less, is it going to continue to wane? There, there, I think you'll take, if you take all the globalization, I think a portion will be reversed. A portion, as people restructure secure lines and, and supply chains, and you know, the government's going to put a lot of rules in place, which they should properly, not overdo it, about export controls and investment controls. But after that, no, global trade will not go away. And so you know, we're in a competition with China. I'll leave the, you know, the military stuff to the military, but, uh, and we're going to outcompete them. You're not going to be able to outcompete the United States as long as we nurture this wonderful well, economy. We, we know how attractive their consumers <clears throat> are. I mean, it, there's, there's no way American business cannot say, I, I want that market. If you separate the world into two trading blocks, this would be the better trading block. Right. And so obviously, well, tell that to the NBA or you uh, know, with 600 Obviously, million. you know, they're, they're a huge market and we should try to be competitors but not, you know, hostile forces with each other. So... Jamie, let's talk about um, shareholder rights and the movement that uh, the Business Roundtable has been going after for the last three years. Looking at all stakeholders, that has translated in some ways into woke capitalism, and there is some pushback from red states and from other places. What do you say to defend that? How do yeah. you how do you explain to them? Yeah, what I don't this think really that has anything to do with woke capitalism. Okay, and I don't explain. even know what people mean when they say woke. There's a lot of issues out there. When I gave the job uh, of running consumer to some of our top women. I walked up to them and said, you know, you're, you're all going to get this job, not because you're so smart, which you are, because you have heart. And that heart to me is that they give a damn about the 150,000 employees and the millions of customers go in and out those doors every day. And I mean that. Okay? I care about my employees. And you guys can buy, say, a shareholder value. I've said this 100 times to you all. Shareholder value, when the American public hears shareholder value, they hear short-term, rapacious profit-taking fiduciary, standing behind your lawyers at the expense of customers and employees. I need you to come back. If you go to a restaurant, they take care of you. You know, I mean, what's the notion that we should be taking care of our employees and customers? Do you want me to stop, and you talk about woke, do you want me to stop hiring veterans? 
You know, we started that 100,000 jobs mission, which now it's now 300 companies hired 800,000 veterans. Right. You're telling me that's bad to do? And if we lift up society, if you're in either a small town or a big town, and we get we get we get involved in policy, if you if you if you lift up society, business is better off. When were you not doing that? Always did it. That's yeah, what I mean. So you didn't Always need did to make a statement four years ago that you're going to start We did doing because, that. because people thought they misread shareholder value. And they think that we're being rapacious profit-taking. Okay, and, so and here's, here's where it got more complicated. There are states, as you know, because you've written letters to them, where they've said, look, we're not going to allow you to uh, issue municipal bonds in this state uh, if, if you, uh, you know, don't loan money uh, to fossil fuel companies yeah. or you don't uh, do business with gun companies or other things where you have taken a stance for whatever reason, whether it's, it may very well be for your employees, but now because of that backlash, it's become very complicated. I don't think it has anything to do with that statement. I, so you're just confusing apples and oranges. Now businesses are being you know, dragged into all these various issues. We defend our people, we defend our rights, we have, we have our own right to free speech. If a, if a state wants to do something like that, so be it. We're one of the big, you know, we support all the big oil companies, <laughs> who, by the way, are the ones who are gonna pay for most of this transition to reduce CO2. They're doing right. the best job at all. So, you know, my view is that we will do the right thing, and some of those states will question it, and they have the right to question it, and, uh, and it costs those states a lot of was money that, when they don't have great moment? What, money. Who was it? And she said, well, you pledge right here, right now, to yeah. not support any fossil fuel company. What did yeah. you say? You, you just, you yeah, were classic. the road to hell for America. That played all around <laughs> the world. You were classic. It was classic. We Jamie need, Diamond, you go, no, are we you need, out of your mind? If, if the lesson wasn't learned from <laughs> Ukraine, we need cheap, reliable, safe, secure energy of which 80% comes from oil and gas and that number is going to be very high for 10 or 20 years. That is not against CO2. Right. Okay, right. so the, you know, we've been telling people that higher oil and gas prices are leading to more CO2. So having it cheaper has the virtue of reducing CO2 because all that's happening around the world is that poor nations, richer nations are turning back on their coal plants. Right. We, we have to stop this thing like it's one versus the other. It's not. We need, uh, some have said before, it's all the above. Right. We need all those things to work well, and if we get it right, we can reduce CO2. Uh, and the other thing that's going to hurt is poor people and poor nations. Right. right. And is that what you want? Is that what you really want to accomplish? You think that's going to be good for the globe? Right. So you know, people should be a little more thoughtful. Way too many dots here. Yeah, uh, no, it's, it's, very, it's very complicated. Way for, too many yeah. dots. Broader economic question, but it relates to banking. How do you? Maybe not your own loan book, but when you look at the loan book that's out there, yeah. if you will, to corporate America, to the private equity firms, to everything else, if we do have a hard landing. How dangerous is that? I know there's been the creation in, in private equity, for example, of this idea of collateralized uh, fund obligations, which is sort of like the old collateralized CFOs. debt obligations, except yeah. it's now taking the, all the debt from the funds and, and slicing them up in the same way and creating a new instrument. The, when the, you look at those type of things, do you get concerned? No. The American, yes, but not for the reason you're thinking. The American banking system is unbelievably sound. In, in a million different ways, and our capital cup runneth over, and you know, and I'm proud of what we do as a company for individuals, small businesses, governments, IMF, World Bank, uh, large corporations, middle market companies. You know, we if you go to a branch right across the river here, LMI neighborhoods, lifting up people around the world, small businesses, cities, states, schools, hospitals. That's what we do. And I'm damn proud of that. And these banks, not just mine, are extremely strong. And so uh, there are always new financial instruments out there. If you're always going to make a book about what goes wrong, it's always new financial instruments. So I, I would be careful. But they're not systemic, most of the things you mentioned. They're not big enough to be systemic. Our loan books, and I think the banks will have a normal cycle, whatever that cycle is. 
It'll, it won't be like an 08. It'll just be a normal credit cycle. And you know, if you have a recession, you'll have a higher credit losses. But, but I always tell people, we're here to serve people through the cycle. We're not, I don't want to pull back in the cycle, and it's by the fact that that's kind of what some of the rules and regulations make you do. But I want to be here in good times and bad, right. more importantly, but bad times for you. What will you do less of? Or and what, we'll, are, and you, we'll do what are you? What are you doing less of as a result of the concerns about what's coming? Is it, uh, you know, home loans you, in certain places? You'd what be you? surprised. We, the management team, goes through and looks at what we can handle and what we can't handle. So we're not going to pull back on anything because we might go into recession. In fact, the banks, you know, before the Fed intervened, laid out hundreds of billions of dollars to their clients you know, pre-COVID. Right. And you know, we're making markets aggressively before the Fed intervened. So I've heard this cockamamie thing that somehow the banks were bailed out by the Fed. They were not. Yeah. You know, we, did, we did quite well trading before they intervened. And we were out there helping our clients. And so what you could do you know, to mitigate risk a little bit is you might you know, you do less subprime, do less that, maybe not do new customers. You know, and obviously, if a bank is in any kind of trouble, they, they're going to be much more restrictive than a bank who's doing quite well. But, but we look at it that you know, we, the budget kind of looks at how we do if things were good, how we do if things were bad, and our plans are very consistent. We're going to hire, train, recruit, invest, Country after country, bank after bank. Yeah. We're now in 48 brand states, which we're very proud of. And uh, uh, we'll just keep the, on expanding. The, the entire yeah. business news landscape needs a headline from Jamie Dimon about yeah. a recession <laughs> next year. I'm sorry. Hey, you're, you're here. We've got you. So Jamie Dimon says, yes, there will be a recession in 2023, or no, there will not so be this a recession. Exactly what all my handlers out there say is, don't give them that stupid headline. <laughs> they do say I'm not going to do it. You're not going to do it. See? Thank you. So what are we supposed to say then? Jamie Diamond said there's... Uh, he said America's great. Yes. Yeah, yeah America is extraordinary. Those of you who travel the world, all the folks out here, you come back to this country and you look at the innovation, the growth, the universities, even with all our squabbling in the government, which I don't particularly like, it's about policy. Policy. And we need policy on infrastructure, education, taxation, regulation, health care. We can do a lot of things that grow this country. I'll give you another number. We grew at 2% a year, one, like 1.7% a year from 2000 to 2020. And there are a lot of reasons for that, which I won't go through now. I will go through in a second. But had we grown at 3%, and we should have aspired to 3%, GDP per person would be $15,000 a year higher today. You could afford a lot more other things. And the reason, in my view, we grew uh, at 2% and not 3 the reason is excessive regulation, health care, infrastructure, inner city school education. And in that one, you know, education, if you look at it, that jobs bring dignity. We need kids to be trained to have jobs. And a lot of the companies that are on here today spend a lot of time on right. that. And we want these kids to have jobs. And these companies pay well. Are, there's a story out today that you are trying to tackle health care once again. You had the initiative with Amazon and Berkshire yeah. that, that you, you, you canceled out and said it's not working. What are you doing differently yeah. this time? Well, the, the, the objective, you know, you, you live and learn. So was that a failure? No. I mean, we make tons of mistakes. We kind of modified from that. It's the same objective. We spend $2 billion in health care. We've got 450,000 insured, so it includes their families. We want you to be healthier. So if you get preventive care, which we're testing these things in Columbus, if you get preventive care, you know, that could save your life. If you have high blood pressure or diabetes you didn't know about. And then also managed care. I mean, are you getting the right kind of care you need to manage what you have? Telemedicine is going to work for depression. Uh, there are a lot of things going to work for, uh, for drugs. So to me, there's a lot to work here. And Walmart, I know Doug was just up, but they've done a great job. And so there's a lot to learn. We're going to go at it, and we want our, we want our employees to be healthier, happier, 
and and hopefully at a lower cost. You you have people that try to manage you and what you say. How, how many is that? All those people that are standing over here that, right now? No, this is mostly CNBC people. This is all like <laughs> this is all like overhead. I mean, I'm trying, trying, they, they just what you, you guys. Said. You guys, you guys, that's why here. You guys have all you guys have all this overhead. Yeah. Nobody and then you complain about your margins. Right. Do they throw up their hands and just say Jamie's going to be? They do. Yeah. They just say, please, just try. Jamie, right. thank you. Thank you, Jamie. Great to see you, and I think we're going to see you again. Thank you. We'll see you in Switzerland. We'll see you in Switzerland. We'll see you in Switzerland. was on my on my bingo card. <laughs> said, said, said there's a lot of cockamamie. I love that word. Uh, that is a good one. It's a good one. That is a good <laughs> one. Jamie Don, thank you, sir. Thank we'll you. see you. At the UPS store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Thank you for listening to this special Squawk Pod Reports. We're doing a whole series. Followers of our daily Squawk Pod, wherever you listen, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, will get special extra pods this week featuring exclusive interviews with leaders of America's biggest companies. We're talking wages, workers, the economy, what keeps our nation's CEOs up at night, and what gets them going in the morning. Stay tuned for more Squawk Pod Reports. Have a great day. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.